Our New Testament reading is from Romans and chapter 1. Uh, Romans and chapter 1. We're reading from verse 8 uh, to verse 15 uh, of this chapter. Romans 1, verse 8 uh, to 15. We come to the second section in the introduction to the book of Romans. There's three sections. And as Paul normally does, he has a prayer just at this point. And this section gives us insight into the heart and experience of the apostle. He has a desire which is unfulfilled. He's been praying to God. And that answer which he wants has not yet been granted. And so from this passage, there's many angles uh, that we could look at from this passage, but we want to think this evening of unanswered prayer and how the apostle directs us to live in a time of unanswered prayer. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I mention you always in my prayers, asking that somehow by God's will I may now at last succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you, that is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. I want you to know, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented, in order that I may reap some harvest among you as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. unanswered prayer. Our life is a real mix of experiences, isn't it, which God and his providence brings to us. Sometimes we get what we deserve. We've been cocky. We've been elated in our opinion of ourselves. We've been belittling of others. And pride has come before a fall. We've got what we deserved. Sometimes we get what we don't deserve. And as we think of the blessings of Christ in our lives, the blessings of family, of home, of work, of health that we have, we recognize that these are blessings which we don't deserve. Sometimes we get what we want. The farmer wants a dry spell. He wants an abundant crop. He wants good health to reap that abundant crop in a dry spell. And he gets what he wants. He has prayed to God. He has desired God's kindness towards him in harvest time. And he has been granted his desire. But sometimes we don't get what we want. We desire this. We long for this. We pray for this. But our prayer is unanswered. 
And if we could open up every heart, every life, every mind this evening, I'm sure all of us are people who have experienced and do experience unanswered prayer. But we're not the first, are we? We come in a long line of believers who have wrestled with this experience in their lives. We worship a loving God. We adore his infinite mercy. We believe his promise that if we ask, we shall receive. And yet we live in our lives with unanswered prayer. We read the account of Leah and of Rachel and their frustrations with desiring a family. And this prayer and desire is unanswered. We read the story of Hannah and her frustrations and praying unto God. And and that unanswered prayer that she agonized with for years. We sing the Psalms and again and again we have the frustration of the psalmist coming to God, desiring that his circumstances would be altered. We go down into Gethsemane with our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. We see his sweat. We taste his agony. We witness his sorrow, praying to God to remove the cup and yet not his will. But God's be done. And we read of Paul and this thorn in the flesh. And those agonizing experiences for him when he prayed in a prolonged and enduring manner that this thorn in the flesh would be removed. And again and again their reply came back from God that God's grace was enough for him. And we come this evening with our unanswered prayer and a long line of believers who have wrestled with this in their home, in their workplace, in their community, in their churches. And we learn from the apostle the balance he has and the maturity he shows and the submission he demonstrates in living as a woman of God with unanswered prayer. Let's think first of unanswered prayer and thanksgiving in verse 8 and 9. One feature of unanswered prayer is that it kills thanksgiving. People, doctors, I'm not sure if this is a... (coughs) A confirmed diagnosis, but but there is the experience of man flu, isn't there? And, and the, the, the 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 male gender thinks they're they're dying when they when they have a sniffle, and, and everything just comes to a halt because of this weakness that they experience. And sometimes this is the impact of unanswered prayer. That that Thanksgiving. Other aspects of praying, other people are, are put out of the picture. We, we become self-absorbed. We, we engage in navel-gazing and we're inward in our perspective. But here's Paul. He has this longing. He has this desire. He has this unanswered petition. 
But alongside of that, he's holding on to thanksgiving. And there's remarkable features about this thanksgiving. And one is that it's thanksgiving for others. I thank my God for all of you. He's been around the congregations in the eastern part of the Roman Empire. And again and again he's heard conversations and prayers of thanksgiving. That in the capital city of the Roman Empire God has his people. And Paul who carries this burden. This crushing burden of unanswered prayer. Carries it alongside of thanksgiving. For grace and progress and fruit in others. And he also engages in ongoing thanksgiving. See the language he uses here. I'm thanking God without ceasing I mention you. And this is remarkable. This prolonged, this constant, this ongoing thanksgiving. It's remarkable because he'd never been to Rome. He'd never met the congregation. He hadn't been involved in the founding of this congregation. And yet, here he is, constantly thanking God for others. He'd never sat in their houses. He'd never learned about their lives. He'd he'd never pressed flesh with them at the church door. And yet, this man carrying this excruciating burden of unanswered prayer, he thanks God constantly for others. See the object of his thanksgiving. My God. The God who's denied him his request. The God who said not now to him for his petition. Is still his God. There's no bitterness. There's no resentment. There's no anger. In God's servant. A company which began in its garage. It has now grown to be able to launch satellites into space. A remarkable uh, progress and feat. And they, they've set out the, the incredible and important stages of this progress of the satellite into space. Different parts of the rocket falling off and coming through the atmosphere and, and burning up and, and moving on further and further in those different stages right out until the, the satellite opens out and, and is able to revolve in space. And each stage has to happen to be successful. In our praying, Paul is reminding us here that the element of thanksgiving is important. Perhaps you like a freedom in your praying. Just to pray about whatever you're interested in that time or whatever is on the news. Perhaps that works for you and there's merit to that. But I think there's more merit in structure to our praying. And including specifically and definitely, especially in times of excruciating unanswered prayer, the element of thanksgiving. And the element of thanksgiving for others. Unanswered prayer 
and thanksgiving. A second way in which Paul is really exemplary for us in this introductory passage to Romans is unanswered prayer and service in verse 9, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel. Another effect of unanswered prayer sometimes is that, that people lose heart. They give up. They throw in the towel. Here's a God who doesn't answer my prayer. Then why should I serve him? And Perhaps Paul, more than anyone, could have done this at this time. We thought of Paul having completed his ministry in the eastern parts of the, the Roman Empire. And here he was in this lull in in Greece, these two months in which he was situated here. It would be easy for him to take that bag of money which had been collected among the Gentile churches and which he was taking down to Jerusalem, an expedition which he was nervous about, unsure about the welcome he would receive by the Jerusalem churches. Some class Paul as anti-law. He could easily have handed it over to other brothers to take down to Jerusalem and headed off to Rome. But he was a servant who served God in his spirit. He was wholehearted. He was fully involved. Even while he balanced and carried and experienced the pain of unanswered prayer. He couldn't go to to Rome yet because there was other ministry, difficult, awkward, excruciating, though it was to fulfill down in Jerusalem. But he went on serving God in his spirit. We speak of people who's had the stuffing knocked out of them. Of people who have lost heart. Whose people whose heart is no longer in their worship or in their ministry or in their service. And it can happen to the best of us. Discouragement can set in. And one of the elements which can bring that discouragement is unanswered prayer. Paul had been praying, I long to go to Rome. I want to go to this city. This is a desire. I'm the apostle of the Gentiles. Surely I must go there. But so far, God's providence and God's guidance and God's sovereign will, that prayer had been denied and other service, other ministry is still being fulfilled by God's servant. There's an Old Testament proverb, isn't there, in chapter 13 and and verse 12. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. You hope to pass your driving test and, like me, you, you fail it. It's hard to recover from that. You hope to get good grades in your GCSEs and if this doesn't come to pass, it's hard to recover from that. Hope deferred. Makes the heart sick. And unanswered prayer is hope deferred. You desire this particular petition. You pray for this. You believe in the love of God and in the promises that he will answer prayer. 
But when that request is unanswered, it can impact our service. And Paul is guiding us here. That by God's grace, we can hold in one hand unanswered prayer and we can hold in the other hand fervent, zealous, active ministry for Christ. Perhaps you struggle with this. You prayed for a godly spouse in your life. One has not been provided. You prayed to buy that house up the street and it didn't come to pass. You prayed to be elected to a a position within the congregation or the community and it didn't happen. Here the apostle is, is a great example to us alongside of his longing, of his desire and we'll see how deep it is. Is his ongoing service and earnest ministry for Christ. Thirdly, unanswered prayer and submission to God's will. Here in verse 10, he sets out his desire always in my prayers, asking that somehow, by God's will, I may succeed in coming to you. Paul had this persistent, deep desire to minister in Rome. But he was submissive to the will of God. There's a theme that we'll come to see throughout the the book of Romans. The apostle Paul sees everything as being subject to the will of God. Nothing happens outside of God's will. In regard to salvation, what we'll come to see perhaps in, 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 in the future, that it's only those whom God predestined and foreknew that he calls and justifies and glorifies. Only those whom God wills to save will be saved. After discussing the, the nations, the apostle concludes that great section in Romans by saying from For of him and through him and to him are all things of God, through God, to God. Everything happens in this world. And here he's he's bringing that big perspective down to bear on his life and his prayer life and his longing to go down to minister in Rome. And he says, I'll only get there. If it's the will of God. So far he'd been prevented from going. In verse 13. I have often intended to come to you. But thus far. I've been prevented. It wasn't God's will. God in his providence had had shown him. that, That it wasn't time for him to visit there. John Murray advises us not to speculate on what it was that kept him from going to the capital city, but then he goes on to give a couple of suggestions. Was it by God's direct revelation that he hadn't gone there, as God did from time to time in Paul's life? 
Was it particular circumstances that, that indicated to Paul that, that it wasn't right for him to go there? You remember Paul in Acts 16, seeking God's will, trying doors and no doors opening for him. Or was it Satan's activity, as he writes to the Thessalonians, that prevented Paul from going to Rome at this time? Was it this current ministry, which he had to fulfill down in Jerusalem, that prevented him from going at this time? Was it his vision to complete his ministry in the east of the Roman Empire that had kept him from heading to Rome? Somehow, the apostle discerned that up till now, it was not God's will. And he holds these two things, the unanswered prayer and the the unknown will of God. Up till now, it's not been God's will, but maybe it will be in the future. He hasn't said no yet. So it might be. This is different then from Paul's other experience of unanswered prayer, isn't it? In 2 Corinthians 12, where he asked for the thorn in the flesh to be removed, the Lord's answer to him is, No, Paul, that thorn is going to stay there to keep you humble and to display my grace. But in this case, his prayer to go to Rome The answer has not come, no, Paul, you'll never go there. And so he looks here, if it's God's will, I will visit the city. It's one thing knowing that God's will controls all. It's another thing accepting it, isn't it? And sometimes it's hard. Perhaps you're the only family member that lives near your aging parents. And they're awkward and unappreciated. But as you look at your life, you realize that this is God's will for me at this time. Perhaps your job is demanding. Long hours, intensive work. You're not recognized for it as you should. There's no other openings available for you. You've got a terrible boss, but you recognize This is God's will for me at this time. Perhaps you're in a a difficult marriage and you would love things to be different in so many ways and yet you recognize that your heavenly Father's will for you at this time is just to be there. Here's the apostle and he's got this petition, this longing, this desire, this prayer, but alongside of it, He's holding on to God's will and perhaps in God's will his petition will be answered. And lastly, the apostle in in this introductory passage in Romans it shows us unanswered prayer and perseverance in asking. He speaks, doesn't he, of Always in verse 10, in my prayers, asking that somehow, by God's will, I may now at last succeed in coming to you. 
didn't give up on this petition. It was not yet granted. He had this longing, and perhaps for a long time he desired it. Perhaps he, he felt the, 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 the difficulty of, of not getting to Rome. You, you can imagine Peter, the apostle to the Jews. Imagine him never preaching in Jerusalem. But here was Paul and he had to live with this awkwardness. He was the apostle to the Gentiles and yet he'd never been to Rome. What an awkwardness. And all kinds of slurs could be cast on him. How interested was he in the Gentiles if he'd never been to the capital city? But he goes on praying. Living in that misunderstanding and misrepresentation. Getting on with God's service. Continuing to thank God for others. Looking to God's inscrutable and as yet unrevealed will. He keeps asking. Because God had not yet said no. This was a noble desire. He wanted to bring some spiritual gift, he says, to the church in Rome. Perhaps a miraculous gift. Perhaps a common gift of teaching and and edification. He wanted to benefit the believers. He wanted a harvest, he says, among them. Some fruit in their life. Perhaps new converts in the city. This was a noble desire which he had. It was a deep desire in verse 15. I am eager to preach the gospel in Rome. Why did Paul have such an eager desire? He wanted to go to the capital city to receive their welcome, to develop fellowship with them, and then have their support in going to the very edges and boundary of the Roman Empire. What a vision. What a desire. What a petition. But up till now, God had said, not yet, Paul. Not now. But God did grant his desire. Perhaps the end of Acts has always been awkward for you, boring, a bit of an anticlimax. We have all the excitement of chapters 1 and 2 and 3 and the church growing and converts and baptisms. New congregations being established and then we come to this long section at the end of Acts about Paul's journey and trials and shipwreck and, and eventually gets to the city of Rome. But doesn't this transform it? The end of Acts is a case study in answered prayer. A petition which his servant held and and wrestled with and, and, and had to carry for many years. Now at last it's granted. And how do you know? And how do I know that that unanswered prayer which you and I retain offer Wait to be received with tremendous response from God. 
will not one day be realized in your experience, in your life. Unanswered prayer and thanksgiving. Unanswered prayer and service. Unanswered prayer and submitting to God's will. Unanswered prayer and perseverance in offering that prayer. What kept Paul? What kept them sane? What kept him going? What fueled that incredible, mature balance in his life? It was one word that occurs throughout this introductory section. The word is gospel. Verse 1. Verse 15, verse 9, verse 16, gospel. That's the big thing. That's the great thing. Paul was able to have that perspective. He was just a man. He was small. He was insignificant. For the gospel is immense. A New Testament, a first century writer has depicted Paul seemingly accurately. Said he was an ugly man, little man, bandy legs, beetle brows, bald head, hook nose, bad eyesight, no great rhetorical skills. And he knew he was little, insignificant. His name means small. But the gospel was incredibly magnificent. And he was able to hold his frustration and his agony and his unanswered longing and balance with the glorious gospel of Christ. There was not just the importance of the gospel and the immensity of the gospel, as we'll see unpacked for us in this tremendous uh, book of Romans, but it was the message of the gospel. That in all his experiences, in all his frustrations, in all his unanswered prayers, He was loved by God. That nothing could separate him from the love of God. That while we were yet sinners, God commended his love towards us in that Christ died for us. Have you seen the sailors from the sunken flagship of the Russian fleet paraded in a little town in Russia. And you look at those men and you wonder the point of that parade. Is it a humiliation? They're broken men. They've lost their comrades. Their ship has sunk. Their captain has drowned. They've known defeat and humiliation. They're they're broken, insignificant men. And what they need to hear is the gospel. What believers 
tortured with unanswered prayer need to hear is the gospel. This is how Paul manages. He balances this deep longing, this ongoing frustration, this petition ungranted in his life and ministry with an appreciation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. May we follow his, this wonderful example in our lives.